We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? No Nick Fade today, but I have a very special guest of the Clear Out podcast, host of the Clear Out on the current Blue Wire Network, which you can also find yours truly, is Mr. Matthew Brooks. Matty, how we doing, buddy? I'm good. The most disappointing uh, fill-in out there, you know. <laughs> a downgrade from, from Nick Fay. Yeah, no, this is I'm good to be here. It's it's good to be here, I should say. Um, and uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, mate. Don't downgrade yourself like that. We had you on the buzz so consistently. People probably thought of the buzz and they thought of you, but now they think of you in the clear out. They think of you in the basketball news. They think of you in the next day. They think of you. Look, there's a lot of things they they, they associate you with. But enough of that. You can always find Matt's stuff. We'll put it in the, the link description as well, and we'll give him a, a chance to shout out at the end. But obviously plenty of COVID stuff to get to, so we'll, we'll kick off with that, Matt. So the Nets players are currently in health protocols. There's a lot of them. Now, this is via Nets Daily, and obviously CBS Sports also had a nice little list. So Kevin Durant went in on December 18th, as did Kyrie Irving and Darren Sharp. LA went on December 14th. DeAndre Bembry, December 14th. Bruce Brown, December 14th. Javon Carter, December 14th. James Harden, December 14th. James Johnson, December 14th. And Paul Millsap, December 13th. Nick with... Uh, Nick. <laughs> Matt, Nick I the told you. I'm the bad fill-in. <laughs> well, with the Blazers game, you know, on the horizon and the Lakers game and Christmas rapidly approaching, where did the Nets stand with, with a lot of these players and, I guess, the team overall? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't – does Thursday's game happen? <laughs> Can we start there? I have no idea. Like, your guess is as good as mine. I think that, in all honesty, what we – I mean, we heard a little bit from Adam Silver today on NBA Today sort of talking about – that. It seems like the very last option that they want to have any sort of postponements or cancellations or any of that sort of thing. You know, obviously we have the Nets who had a couple of their games postponed. The ball's the same. You know, the sporting leagues around the world dealing with this, whether it's the NFL, the English Premier League as well, during peak times of, of their revenue when they generate a lot of that cashola. So I have no idea. I honestly think if they're prioritizing... You know, Christmas Day is their the biggest marketable other than opening night and probably the All-Star game where the cash in, the cash money really starts to roll in. Maybe the Blazers game does get postponed and there's a greater likelihood that we see James Harden and or Kevin Durant. Maybe even my uh, prediction comes true in Kyrie Irving. But in saying that, do you what do you think in your heart of hearts? I think we probably play the Blazers game. The Lake there was that weird report from uh from Shams today about um, just like they're thinking about what well, it was like alternative solutions or, or so it would, but there was no additional reporting. It was just like that phrase thrown in there. Um, so I don't know, like, does it, I mean, the Nets Lakers game has to be one of the games that's like in danger of being either postponed or just straight up replaced on Christmas day. Right. Like, yes. Yeah. Like who's playing? Cause like KD and Kyrie are, are just got put into protocols. 
I doubt, I mean, maybe something happens. I guess guys get better at different times, but uh, I would be surprised if either one of them plays for that game. And then you're kind of banking on, well, Harden maybe plays. And then even that, it's like, I just, I don't know. So yeah, that, that feels like a lot is up in the air. I, I would, the Blazers one, I mean, it's a late game. It's against a team that's not that interesting. Uh, sorry, Blazer fans. But, um, but you know, I mean, and they have all these guys, the Nets of, you know, Shaq Harrison, James uh, Ennis, uh, Wenyan Gabriel now, who I guess they just finalized today. You know, a bunch of guys that I guess can can actually suit up and play for them. So I, I think we'll get that game. Yeah, I mean, Paul Billsap, it's going by the 10-day timeline might be available as well. Obviously, the, the guys I mentioned on December 14, those guys might be back for Christmas Day, which means we might get James Harden, we might get LaMarcus Aldridge, DeAndre Bembry, Bruce Brent, some key rotation guys to lessen the load of my guy, Paddy Mills, as well as you know Blake Griffin and, and some of the others. But you know we've seen weird things happen with the health and safety protocols relating to the Lakers, like Russell Westbrook and LeBron James. Those guys get out. You know, early Kevin Durant, we know and we, I'm not sure if he's got the boosters or anything yet, but I'm pretty sure he's vaccinated or else he wouldn't be playing. Kyrie Irving, obviously, obviously unvaccinated, so very unlikely that he's back before December 28 at the earliest. And Daron Sharp, obviously, as well. So there is so much shit up in the air, to, to put it blatantly. It's it's really hard to sort of to keep it, your head over it and, and head around it. But ultimately, I said this in the last part, I know you think the same. I just want these guys, hopefully they're healthy. Hopefully they are the listed that we have spoken about, especially LaMarcus Aldridge with some of his previous heart issues. These guys are fit, healthy, and they're taking care of themselves. Don't really care when they come back to the basketball court as long as they are healthy behind the scenes. And hopefully they're asymptomatic. We, we don't really get a lot of details from the Nets organization in general, especially when it does come to injury and let alone health stuff. So something to keep an eye on. Nick, uh, I'm going to keep doing that, and I'm just going to... Uh, it's really, really hard because I'm just... It's been so long, Matt. In, in saying that, is there anything you wanted to, to add on about the, the Blazers or the Lakers game? It has your excitement about just watching this Nets team, you know, since we've seen some of the young guys jump in uh, and, and some of the two-way guys, you know, has it heightened in a way? Has it lessened in a way? Where do you stand in terms of your eagerness to, to watch and cover more Nets games going forward? Uh, you know, it's, it's fun. I, I guess I'm the thing I'm, I mean, it's all right. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and hype it up. It's okay. Uh, so this sort of feels like we're, we're watching pretty like meaningless that which feels harsh, but like sort of meaningless basketball in the grand scheme of things. Uh, the only thing I guess I really like is that like you, maybe not for the nets exactly, unless they, cause most of their guys are like kind of veteran age, but I'm excited league wide to, watch teams and see if they uncover any hidden gems that they maybe wouldn't have done in a normal setting because of these 10 way 10 day contracts because of the circumstances of covid um i think for that reason i'm pretty excited for a the players themselves to like actually get a real shot that they may not get but b like you never know you i always you know maybe a team finds the next lou dort or somebody like that like it's it's kind of fun. So I, I think in that reason, I'm, I'm excited and I'll flip around. I don't, I, it's funny. I'm like, I don't really have that much interest in watching the Nets right now, but some of these other teams, like if there's a good game on and it's, you know, a close game in the third or fourth, I'll watch it. And if there's somebody that's going off and I, I see it on Twitter, and maybe it's like a random G League guy, like I'll turn that on because I want to get a look at these guys. You might as well. So um, for that reason, I guess I am a little bit excited, but uh nets wise you know just sort of waiting for everybody to get back <laughs> i guess in in saying that I'm, I'm jumping forward in our google doc i'll probably do that a, a little bit back and forth so i do apologize but according to sham sort of piggybacking off what you said two-way players now have no limits on games played obviously that was re- restricted to 50 previously in terms of obviously that for, for the book on nets that's kessler edwards and david duke jr both guys who have been producing pretty meaningfully for, for the Brooklyn Nets as of late. In, in saying that, do you, is this good news for, for the Brooklyn Nets? And I, I'll, I'll ask a little bit about Kess and, and DDJ a little bit. And also another question I wanted to ask, in terms of the 10-day guys, obviously we have a very small sample size of them. I know you're, you're a big stan of Shaq Harrison, so you, I'll probably know your answer already. Are there any of those guys that could you see maybe sticking around beyond you know the, the hardship exception time limit, whatever it might be? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually, I'm going to say James Ennis, uh, believe it or not. I know I feel like I'm supposed to say Shaq Harrison. I feel like they have, like, five Shaq Harrisons on this roster. Now, that's granted, that's when everybody's, like, healthy and, uh, and and on the floor. So, I don't know. Like, I don't, you know, you have 
Bembry, uh, I guess Bruce Brown, uh, hypothetically Javon Carter, David Duke Jr. Like you kind of already have four of that guy. Uh, James Ennis is kind of a different look. He, he gives you spacing again, hypothetically. We'll see if his numbers from last year carry over. I'm a little skeptical of that. That was a little bit of an outlier shooting season. I think he shot 41% from deep. And like anybody that has that season last year with no fans, I sort of, I don't like know. I, I want like to believe it. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to raise an eyebrow a little bit. So, um, but no, I think like if, if he can do that, he's like passable defensively. Um, with all that said, like, I think he's got, I think he's got a decent chance, probably a better chance than just about anybody. Langston Galloway is like, he's fine. Like he can shoot. He's doesn't do that much else. Like uh, James Ennis at least is a bigger body. Um, and, and again, if the, the three is there, like he's semi-interesting. Yeah, I, I think he did hit a three ball against his former team, the Orlando Magic, if I was mistaken. Obviously, he had very limited game time. And, you know, you can only imagine just coming into the team and just playing basketball, let alone contributing meaningfully. So if we see him against the Blazers and or the Lakers, uh, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on him. But, Matt, you know, you mentioned David Duke Jr. a little bit there. You know, the Kess Express is in, in, in full, full, it's full. Everyone's on board. Let's just put it that way. Out of those two guys, and this has probably been a pretty big discussion on Nets Twitter, but I'm keen to hear your thoughts. Out of Kessler Edwards and David Duke Jr., who do you think has a, a greater chance of contributing meaningfully once we get the stars back, once we get KD, Kai, James Harden back? Um, I'm still probably going to ride with, with Kessler Edwards. Uh, I know David Duke Jr. had a nice old showing uh, at the end here, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I what Kessler brings in terms of like his defensive versatility. I mean, that's like a term that's thrown out kind of willy-nilly. But, man, that guy really can't. Like, you can throw him on opposing point guards, and he's got, like, the size to really, you know, I guess tussle with threes. And and the rebounding is, like, another aspect that he brings to the table. Um, and if he's hitting the three ball and doing the little things on offense, making the extra passes, I've liked his – you feel like he's a nice little swing-swing guy. The skip pass hits him. He's going to either take the shot – or he's going to find the next best option, which is usually the guy at the uh, adjacent wing. So, yeah, I, I just I've been impressed with him. He, he, you know, it's again, it's another cliche, but he he really has like a veteran's sensibility out there, which I, I think is needed in a lot of ways. And um, he's a different look, you know, like he's the only wing player outside of Kevin Durant. I mean, do we want to throw James Johnson out there? James Johnson's like not really a wing. He's more of a ball handling four. I, I don't really know if I can look at him that way. Guess is like a true blue three and D wing. I'm again, I'm, if you can't tell, I'm very high on him. And um, he just, I feel like there's a real opportunity for him. David, Duke, I like David Duke Jr. a lot. Um, he just kind of falls under that archetype of Bruce Brown, DeAndre Bembry, you know, some of the guys that I've named so far. Yeah, I'll ask you a little bit about David Duke Jr., what's impressed you most about him. But, but before we do, I wanted to jump in with the, the Kess Express hype. I, seeing him guard Robin Lopez in the post was just like, man, we're playing him at the five. And I, I know that you're heading into the draft. Um, and when we did some, some draft recap pods, there was talk about you know him possibly playing in the future at the five. I probably didn't expect to see it in his third game of his NBA career. But he, like you mentioned, the strength and size about him, he's super quick. He's a, a, a really good athlete, and he's just a smart, savvy player. Uh, you know, he sort of plays like a vet. And to get him with pick 44, I've said, is an, an absolute masterstroke from Sean Marks. And, you know, we, we've heard him, you know, speak to Long Island reporters about the fact that, you know, Joe Harris has been mentoring him in a lot of ways with his three ball. I've seen some improved, improvement with his mechanics, a lot more fluid, a lot more smooth, less sort of haphazard with, I guess, his body parts. Just looks like a... You know, it just I'm confident when the ball's in his hands and he's on the perimeter. And I think he is as well, which is probably even better. But in saying that, David Duke Jr., Matt, this guy's rebounding is Russell Westbrook-like from the guard position. It, and Bruce, look, he, he is an amazing rebounder for a guy that is six foot four. Like, he's my height. So other than, I guess, that maybe it's just the rebounding that's impressed you. You know, he's obviously been a pretty goddamn good defensively as well. What has impressed you about DDJ? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, the cutting's fun. Um, he has a really, like, if you're going to be a non-shooter, you, you kind of have to have these extra things, the rebounding, the defense, uh, cutting also really helps. Like, if you can fill the gaps. I want to say he's, like, the best baseline cutter since, like, Rodion's Kuruks. Is that is that fair? I, really? I don't know. Yeah, like, or TLC was weirdly good at that. I know nobody wants to hear that, though. Um, me caping for uh, for TLC. But, no, um, he's he's impressive. I've also been really Im- just impressed with his two-point finishing. He is shooting 45% from two, uh, which is solid. I mean, it's it's definitely not bad for a rookie. I, I just – that was a big point of weakness for him coming out of school. I think he was 40 or sub-40 from two-point range. Um, I don't know why. He's a pretty – you know, just uh, balletic, I guess, is a better is the best word I can come up with. Finisher, a great athlete, um, can create for himself. If he goes up, he can easily go up and under because he's creating so much elevation. So um, I've I've liked him in that sense. I think the two point finishing has been really encouraging. Um, and then the rebounding, like your what he had, how many boards he had, fourteen boards, uh, which is insane as a guard. <laughs> Yeah, he had like eight offensive rebounds, if I'm not mistaken. It had like nine in that last quarter against the Magic. And it was basically him keeping the Nets in that, you know, improbable you know, comeback. So there's so many good things that he does do. And he just looks like an NBA player. You know, what, what you just want to see out of young players, you know, whether it's Kess, whether it's David Jr., whether it's Cam Thomas, Darren Sharp, is just glimpses and moments. But these guys have provided us sustained level moments or, you know, greater than moments, games and consistency. Um, NBA level style where it's just like yeah I'm, I'm confident I'll throw DG like David Duke Jr. has been starting for the Nets obviously in the absence of so many of their guys and I'm comfortable and confident with it because his ball handling is really solid like you mentioned great athlete I love the fact that he's just always getting out and he's just running back and forth back and forth back and forth yep. if he's getting an offensive rebound you better believe he's still getting back on transition defense like a madman I, I I'd love to see, you know, if he's got like a pedometer or his heart rate throughout the game because that guy just works. And, and that's, you know, what you can do to really get into a rotation. So certainly going to be keeping an eye on DDJ. But uh, Matt, in terms of third time, it is a job. It's because we've got such a good chemistry. Let's put it down to yeah, that. That is, that's it right there. In terms of, we'll get to, I guess, the, the superstars and obviously Kyrie Irving, probably what a lot of people have come here to listen to. Uh, you've done some really good reporting on, on Kyrie Irving for, for Nets Daily, but just the general basketball sense. I like talking about the basketball stuff with you more than anything. What do you see as Kyrie Irving's role upon his return to the team? I know you're a big guy on Nets for it. I'm a, I've been dabbling a little bit too. And I saw someone say, and this person's like, don't delete my post, that Kyrie Irving should come off the bench. Now, I don't think I advocate for that, but maybe. What do you think? Uh, no, I don't think Kyrie Irving should come <laughs> up with it. Uh, fun fact. I just looked this up right now. Uh, you said that David Duke Jr., you want to see how fast he runs. He actually leads the Nets in average speed. There we go. Uh, four point, I don't know what, what this is measured in. 4.48. Is that miles per hour? I don't know. Uh, but there you go. That's Just learn that. Love. NBA stats is so good. For anybody that's like, really wants to just try sets, NBA sets. It's free. You can go on there. You can look up anything. I just looked that up right now. Uh, so there you go. David Duke Jr., that was a great call by you. Um, Kyrie Irving, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Kyrie. I mean, the there's the obvious, uh, I guess, uh, things that, that he's going to bring to the table. The shooting will be big. Uh, the finishing, the self-creation will be nice. Just having another guy where it's like, it doesn't matter if the lane's cluttered. I just think he can score over pretty much anybody. Um, I, I'm excited for the pace to go up a little bit. Um, 
you know, right now it kind of feels like the Nets play at one speed. Part of that's that Harden's been pretty methodical this year. I, I do think, and many things have happened for him this year, but one of them is just they take a while to get into really any actions right now, and a lot of it's just him standing and figuring out what he wants to do next. And KD isn't necessarily somebody that's, like, really pushing the pace depending on the lineup, especially if he's out there with somebody like LaMarcus Aldridge or uh, Paul Millsap or somebody like that. Kyrie's just going to push. He's going to be one of those guys that's going to get out in transition. Um, I think that's going to be really good for Harden, um, just playing with somebody like that that's so electric. I wonder if that's going to make – because that's a big question that I have, I think, for the Nets is can, can they just move a little faster offensively? So that's the thing I think I like the most, more than really pretty much anything, is just the speed that he plays the game. I think that's really going to help them a lot. And then that's just, you know, that's having another guy that can shoot the way he can is, like, never a bad thing. No, not at all. And I think that what we've seen of late with, you know, when Kevin Durant was playing with basically, you know, the rookies and the two-way guys and, and Patty Mills was was an increased level of pace because of, like we mentioned, David Duke Jr., Kessler Edwards, Darren Sharp, Cam Thomas. These guys are just eager. They bring that, you know, that Rody Ons crew, it's energy. you got him in my head, Matt. I don't know why. Uh, but, but in insane... I tweeted about Alan Crabb today, and I was like, wow, am I... I was kind of thinking about. I was like, somebody should sign him, and I was like, I need to get off. I need to get off Twitter right Dude, now. Dude, <laughs> you just gotta take your time, take a step back, watch Home Alone, watch a Christmas movie or something. Uh, but in saying that, I think that shot making is just the number one thing that you know I I can't wait to see from Kyrie, and he just automatically just gets, soaks up a few possessions where it's just like, all right, now we need to get something out here. And I think Kyrie Irving, you know, he had a fifty, a, a, an historic level season, his best season as a basketball player last year, and he's had some incredible seasons, but he was a, an electric player. And I also think that the his on-court level of, of chemistry and just the, the vibrancy that he brings, there's just a, a level of intangible energy that certain guys, whether it's like, you know, young guys or just super-duper talented guys, making the Nets more unguardable. The Nets offense, like you mentioned, has had its issues. It's still been good enough, but we'll get to the defense, which has been very good enough. So I think that just the, the level of shot making he's going to possess. I also do think that he's a he's improved as a passer and as a playmaker. And I think his defense low-key has, at moments when he's been engaged, I don't necessarily expect it to be there uh, upon his return initially. But in general, he loves to get a steal. And I think he's low-key athletic. You know, I've been going through Kyrie Irving dunk highlights. A lot of them seem to have happened last year. Unfortunately, they were mostly uh, at the Barclays Center. But in saying that, I just think he's got some athletic pop as well. And look, in all the videos and when he's playing touch football or wherever, he's looking pretty trim. Uh, I think Kyrie Irving's just a natural athlete by any stretch. So I think that adding that athleticism sort of goes towards the, the sort of pace element you're also alluding to as well. Great cutter too. Um, just bringing in another guy that is, like they have good cutters on this team, but a lot of them are cutting because out of necessity. They're cutting because they're not being guarded. Like Kyrie's a guy that's guarded and he'll still cut. Like he, he's going to cut. He's going to make plays. He's going to get into the middle, especially like, you know, say you're playing a zone. He's going to cut to the middle of the floor and make a play from there. Um, just like he can really, that was the part that I think that goes kind of the most overlooked from his year last year. The 50-40-90 is one thing, but he was such a... Um, connector for the Nets in a way that I think is going to be forgotten over time and it probably shouldn't be. No, and I think it's totally worth bringing up. And obviously, when you're the third most talented player on two of the best offensive players we've ever seen, Kyrie Irving does tend to go uh, behind the scenes a little bit. And, and what he does, you know, uh, just as everything, you know, he does a little bit of everything. And, and he's just a, a, a wonderful player. And I know we both can't wait to see him back on the court whenever that is. But Man, I've got a bit of a... Before we actually do move on, we got to go to our boy Bill Simmons of the Ringer Network, listening to his pod the other day with Kevin O'Connor, and he mentioned the fact that Kyrie Irving's return could be to bump up his trade value. Do you think that there's any value to, you know, those claims that our old Billy boy has made? We know his thoughts on, on Kyrie Irving in general, but I think we have our own thoughts on, on why Kyrie Irving might be back. Sean Marks has alluded to those. Steve Nash has alluded to those. The whole Nets organization has alluded to those. But there could be more than meets the eye. Are you seeing any value to what our Bill Simmons is saying here? Uh, I mean... I, I guess, like, I guess, I mean, something would have to happen internally, right? Like, it's it's not like there's bad blood there or anything like that. I mean, maybe this has been a little frustrating for the org um, internally. Like, I'm, 
I think that's totally reasonable. But no, I mean, <laughs> Lord knows that the KD and Harden have been pushing hard for him to come back. Um, and it's for Kyrie specifically to come back. So because of that, I don't think you're going to trade him for. I don't, I don't, what would you even trade him for? Uh, I mean, they bring up like Chris Epps, Paul Zingas, Ben Simmons, the usual like, suspects. He's yeah, just, it's I don't, not happen. No, I don't see it either. And you pointed it out perfectly. It's KD and Harden's organization right now. Unless those guys have a change of face, which I just don't see happening, you know, KD's love and affinity and, and friendship and relationship with Kyrie Irving and James Harden low-key as well. Those guys have had a, a really nice budding friendship ever since, you know, the Team USA days. Unless those guys change their mind, Kyrie Irving is going to be a Brooklyn Net for the long-term foreseeable future. Contract status, you know, we don't really need to talk about that, but this season it's very unlikely to happen unless something, like you mentioned, you never say never, but I, I agree that it is incredibly unlikely in saying that sorry mr simmons uh, and celtics and ring and network fans <laughs> now let's move on to i know you forgot your time is is i've only got a couple of things but to finish off with and it's a segment that i've literally just made up it's called sustainable stats i uh, love me a bit of a little bit of alliteration you're one of the smartest basketball minds not only on nets twitter but on basketball twitter in general basketball news are an incredibly lucky uh network to have you now you put this one out and i was looking at on nba.com funnily enough before you put this out now on nba.com the nets are fifth in defense including the glass which has if i had access to it matt i'd be on that thing all day every day like you are but you put out that they are six in defensive rating because you know it cleans out the garbage time that sort of thing is that sustainable? Is the Nets being a top five, top six, top eight, let's say, defensive team sustainable going forward? Keep saying no, right? I keep looking at the numbers. They have this stat that gives you like expected effective field goal percentage, which basically tells you um, what you'd be, I guess, what opponents would shoot uh, on average from the zones that they're shooting from. And like that's way behind where they are. They're sticking it out. I mean, they're at this. And I think part of it is like you're just, I mean, this is going to sound really basic, but you're playing a lot of good defenders out there all the time. We'll see what happens. I mean, you know, potentially they're bringing Kyrie back, at least for part of the time. You're bringing Joe Harris back. Neither of those guys are, like, bad defensively, but they are, you know, cutting in and, and playing, um, you know, playing minutes now for a team that has played a lot of really strong, strong defenders. So we'll see. I, I think it'll fall off a little bit. Now, granted, I think that the offense will trend up. But um, I keep saying this defense is going to, you know, kind of crash and burn or, you know, not maybe not that much, but really fall more down to like average. And it, it's still here. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think scheme wise, the biggest thing I'll be watching for is like, let's say you put somebody like Kyrie Irving back. Um, now you have him and Harden as your kind of point of attack guys in your starting lineup. What does that look like? Are they playing with LaMarcus Aldridge? If so, does that mean you're playing drop coverage? Probably um, if you're playing drop coverage, is that the best way to use Kyrie is make him go around screens? I'm a little iffy there. I think you kind of really looked good in the switching defense because a, he could just stick with his man. If he felt good about the matchup or B you'd switch him out of it and then scram him elsewhere and basically find ways to like hide him on different areas of the court. The Nets were really good at that last year. I felt like, so, um, yeah, I, I think scheme wise, um, I'm curious to see what it looks like with all these new moving pieces, but. They still have a lot of really good defenders on the roster. James Johnson, Bruce Brown, DeAndre Bembry, Nicholas Claxton, who's just looked awesome. And it's just more that they can say than they really could say last year. Yeah, I think Nicholas Claxton, Clax City, has been tremendous. And it's good to see him you know, get the conditioning, get his footing under him. And, you know, to close games, you know, the Nets in fourth quarters of late have been tremendous, holding teams under 20 points, you know, on many occasions of like probably three or four games, if not maybe five, uh, in saying that. And, and Nicholas Claxton and the switching has been a big part of that. We've heard KD say that, you know, when we switch, it's just. You can see he loves to switch as well. He feels comfortable on, on it, whether it's a, a Trey Young. And you've got James Johnson out there as well, who's a, a good switching sort of guy, probably a, a better switching guy than, than Jeff Green. Obviously, doesn't have the, the offensive acumen. But 
Yeah, if the, the cattle stays healthy, obviously it's going to be about the balance that Steve Nash can find. You, know, you still want your LaMarcus Aldridge minutes here and there because he's an offensive hub, but maybe you need him less when Kyrie Irving's back and he can sort of be a conciliatory uh, player and maybe you start to play a little bit more, you know, smaller lineups. Maybe you go James Johnson at the five a little bit more with KD in the front court and maybe you, you bump up Nicholas Claxton's minutes, who's been playing, you know, mid-20s of late, which is a positive sign to see. Maybe you start him. I think that that's a, an interesting little wrinkle in the rotation, how that balance is found because John Jay Benbury's been great. Bruce Brown has, has gotten back to some solid footing as well. So it's going to be about the balance between offense and defense that Steve Nash does need to find. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's it's it'll be really interesting just to see like how they mix and match these guys, you know, bringing Kyrie back. Yes, you're you're boosting up an already really solid starting lineup. Um now I'm really curious to see how they're going to separate those minutes, who they pair with who. In general, they like to have James run the bench um by himself and then have um and then have Kyrie and KD share the floor. Are they going to continue to do that this year? I actually I I made this case on my pod I, couple episodes ago maybe i don't remember which episode it was but i I made the case like it might be better to put Kyrie next to harden um in a lot of spots just to juice up that attack a little bit more those guys were so good together in that stretch where is that the west coast road trip i feel like that was the west coast road trip last year those guys just like the way they played together and and just sort of ping-ponged off each other was exceptional i thought they had better chemistry than really at any point than, than Katie and, and Harden have had. So I'd, I'd love to see that that backcourt kind of play together. And um, I think with all those things falling into place, you'll be able to mix and match your defenders. You obviously don't want to throw lineups out there where it's like Bembry and Bruce and James Johnson. But now because you have so many, um, you know, strong three-point threats with Kyrie back and uh, Joe back, you can now mix and match a little bit more. Definitely. Now, speaking of three-point shooting, Matt, opponent three-point shooting has been an area where the Nets, you know, probably a big part of their defense as well. According to Basketball Reference, they are first in the league in opponent three-point percentage with 31% from the perimeter. Now, we've seen the dip in three-point shooting overall this season, but didn't necessarily, I was just, you know, doing a bit of research before we jumped on here. How sustainable is that for the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, It's worrisome, but I don't, you know, these stats, like, I, it's, I remember there's always a team every year. Last year was the Knicks, obviously. The year before that, I think, was the Spurs. The Spurs, or maybe this was two years ago. I just remember them being like a top four or five defense, and everybody was kind of confused by it. There was no Kawhi there anymore. Uh, and this stat was a big thing that popped up, and then they kind of drop into the bo- bottom half of the league. So um, will it sustain this year? Maybe. Maybe this is just one of these years. I don't know if it's going to be a multi-year thing. Um, these stats tend to kind of do that, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, if you're really going to point to this defense being fluky and I'm still sort of there in a way, I don't think they're like a bottom half of the league defense. I think they can stay league average. Uh, I don't also think that they're top 10 and I think this is a really, really good piece of evidence. Why? Is there any validity to it being somewhat sustainable? You know, are there guys on this roster right now that are, you know, so obviously we know Bruce Brown's a great perimeter defender. You know, David Duke Jr. has been amazing, as has DeAndre Bembry. You know, is that part of the reason why this is happening? Or is it purely fluke circumstantial like we see? Or is it a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B? Uh, I feel like that argument gets made every year when, like, we have a defense like this where it's like the Knicks last year. And it's like, well, actually, they've just unlocked defense they figured out how to make the opposing team 
um, or how to make the opposing team's worst shooters take the threes. And like, I, I feel like we've done this argument a couple of years and that usually ends up not being the case. It really is luck. I think as basketball fans and analysts, we don't like to attribute luck to things. Like it just, that's a really hard thing for us to wrap our heads around, which makes sense. Like you want to, you want to add meaning to every single little thing. And granted, like, I think there's the Nets, I'm sure are doing certain things. They're rotating a little bit better. Um, they're shutting down things with a lot more propensity this year at the point of attack, just with the guys that you named, uh, Bembry, Bruce. So I think that makes a difference. You're interrupting teams sets from the point of initiation. That said, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a little bit of luck and we don't really like to talk about that when we talk basketball. <laughs> no, I think that basketball is an incredibly complicated sport and you do a really good job in all your platforms to make it simpler and easy to understand. And look, luck is a, a big part of it, whether it's you know positive shooting or defense or all of these things. There are some tangible things that are involved. I think that you know greater minutes for Nicholas Claxton and Kevin Durant defensively and James Johnson. You know when you see Clax switched onto the perimeter onto a Trey Young or a, a Luka Doncic or a Damian Lillard, try shooting over that guy. You know six foot ten with a wingspan of the guards and you know Kevin Durant with his seven foot five wingspan. So there are some things to it, but I think that this is one of the flukiest stats that you will see. And you know obviously the Knicks have changed. You know a lot of their personnel, and it's the reason why their defense isn't the way that it is. But at the same time, you know, some of the better defensive teams like the Raptors, like the, the Bucks, those guys, you know, leave open shooters and they allow shooters. So there's just so much to it that it's almost hard to wrap your head around. But, yeah. Yeah, the Raptors are a good example. Uh, that was the other one I was trying to think of. I think they were the team last year that, that kind of had a, a considerably less lucky shooting season. Um, and that kind of resulted in them really not making the playoffs at all. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it's... I think that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> yeah. Now, in saying that, keeping on the defense, uh, KD Prime Seven at For the Facts quote tweeted your tweet, mate, and he said that Kevin Durant for all defensive team this year, especially if this keeps up. Do you think Kevin Durant has a claim to be on one of the all defensive teams? And what have you been impressed by with his defense this season? Um, I, I, I can't. I probably can't get there. I, I like. There's a lot of things I really like. Um, I actually think you guys mentioned it on your pod just your, uh, the closeouts. I remember I, that was definitely on the buzz. It definitely was. Um, that might have been Nick saying that or me saying that. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the closeouts from KD are, are pretty exceptional. Like, just I I have my moments where I just sometimes I'll just be at a game and I'll watch, and that's one of those things that really stands out in person for whatever reason, his closeouts are just absolutely ridiculous. It feels like he covers basically from like the free throw line um, all the way out to the three when he's sort of at a diagonal trying to contest shots. Like he just covers so much ground. It's, it's pretty astounding. And then just going up against him in isolation this year has really been a fool's errand. Um, he's just been exceptional in that way. I, I think there's the little things. He's not, a, he's really not a good rebounder for his size. Um, the, you know, the, the off ball defense waivers, he's not always like rotations where one guy rotates down to the rim and then maybe another guy rotates to the corner, or even if it's him having to rotate to the corner, those rotations, I usually feel like he doesn't always make, and he'll get back cut quite a bit too. So, um, I think off ball he's, he's okay, but, um, I, yeah, I, there's just a lot of really good forwards, I think. And that's kind of a, Maybe that's a, a cheat a little bit. I'm cheating a little bit with this caveat, but like there are so many good forwards at this at this league right now that um, I just I'd have a little bit of trouble putting him in there. Yeah, I think that you made the good point of like if you're talking about like possession per possession when you know the the fourth quarters or a one on one possession with a time like Jason Tatum or a Trey Young or whatever. Kevin Durant might be one of the better defenders in the league at, at stopping you know some of the best offensive players going around. And you you, know, you switch him and Clax and James Johnson, whatever, whoever else might be out there, then the Nets are going to be a really good defensive team, and Katie's a big part of that. You know, I think that the it's funny because the closeouts this year have been really good, but last year it's like he would close out too hard. So it's it's almost to me like I, I've seen him find a, a greater balance there, and maybe he's learned a little bit from DeAndre Bembry. I know you put a few videos out early in the season about like. Dude, how the hell does this guy close out like into his face and not giving away a foul and just covered up and just like locked him in jail like he's Akon? Like it's incredible what that guy can do. Um, but yeah, in saying that, 
Kevin Durant isn't a perfect defender, and you know when you've got the likes of Matisse Thybul, Draymond Green, so many incredible defenders in the NBA right Bridges. now. Yeah, the, the, the one the, that I thought of first off. Mikael Bridges, absolutely, he's been incredible uh, of late too. So there's a lot of competition there. He's in all defensive caliber, I think is worth saying. On an all defensive team, look, you've got to be pretty goddamn elite. And Kevin Durant's been close, but I don't think he's been that just yet. So sustainable-ish. One thing that I do think is sustainable, Matt. I've got your name right. There we go. Fourth, fifth time is a charm. Is the mid-range shooting, both for him and LaMarcus Aldridge. And, and Shane Young put out a, a really nice post. He said 28 players have attempted at least 80 mid-range jumpers this season. Second and third on that mark are LaMarcus Aldridge, who's had 118 and, and finishing 57.6% of those. And just behind him is Kevin Durant, who's had 190 of them and finished 55.3%. Seth Curry, uh, get off that list, please. Uh, but in saying that, do you think both of those numbers are sustainable for LaMarcus Aldridge and the Slim Reaper? Uh, yeah, I mean, LaMarcus is really, really, really shooting the mid-range well, so maybe that comes down a little bit. But, I mean, those are two great mid-range shooters. I think I tweeted it out. I'd, I'd expect to see Kyrie Irving on this list pretty high up there uh, as soon as he gets fully acclimated. But, um, yeah, it's fun. Like, I like, you know, I think we've moved on from the point of, like, oh, good teams only shoot layups in three is like that's we're probably two or three years removed from that thinking um but just having guys that can that can create from there and and you know especially do that off the dribble um you know so many guys on the nets i feel like they're either shooting threes from a standstill position uh or or it's like they're not shooting threes at all like to bring in somebody like Kyrie who can you know if he if somebody closes out to him hard he can take two dribbles or one dribble and get into a, a pull-up. I know Patty Mills, Patty Mills really likes that shot. I'm not sure if it's, <laughs> if, he, if it's his most. It's weird. I, I noticed this tendency and I've noticed it ever since San Antonio and as well as at the Olympics, if he fades to the right, it always mm. looks so much better. There's just a, a balance that he has when he, when he shoots that shot that way. Yeah. It, it's, it's an interesting bit because like he also did have his best two point shooting performance recently, also to go with his worst three point shooting. So it's just like, the, you take what you can get, I guess, with uh, with old Patty. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, but it's just like you know, to to have guys that can do that is really great. I mean, Lamarcus obviously isn't like necessarily. He'll have moments where like he'll get run off his spot and like take two really stiff dribbles and and take a a fading shot, which I don't know. I don't know how accurate those are, but um, no, I, I overall it's just like it's a big luxury. Um, you know, if you can pressure teams you know, really from the free throw line outward, it just makes you a lot of trouble to deal with. Um, and then that's, that pairs really, really well with all the guys that they have, um, you know, cutting and, and sort of, I guess, like skating along the baseline. It's a, it's a nice little ecosystem that they've developed there. Yeah, definitely. I think that out of all the things that we've discussed so far, I think that this stat is the most sustainable out of all of them because both of those guys have been doing it for such a long time. Now, how sustainable is it? You know, in the mid fifties, I don't know, but you know, Kevin Durant, I think, you know, he can shoot 55% from every area of the floor if he truly wanted to, but it's just, he seems to be taking that volume from the mid range and in isolation, he is a true Marvel. And LaMarcus Aldridge is just cash money. It's like he's 28 years old and playing in Portland again. And also due to that, his post game is, uh, has been nice. I know Nick is, has been a fan of that. Him sort of bodying some of the smaller guys, you know, sometimes it's just Franz Wagner, but sometimes he bodies some of the other guys as well. So look, I think the mid-range shooting for this team overall is going to be sustainable. And I think, like you said, it opens up angles, you know, different angles on the floor for different guys to, to find different openings, whether it's Bruce Brown on a cut or, you know, Blake on a cut or, or whoever else it might be. So I think that the way that the Nets offense, it's not been perfect, but you know, mid-range shooting is always a stat that you look to because you know when it comes to the postseason and the, sh the, the floor shrinks out a little bit more and you want to get a mid-range shot, which is always you know, the analytics' worst friend, but it becomes the best friend once the, you know, the half-court offense becomes even more important. You know, the Nets have got two guys, including probably one of the best ever at it. Yeah, I mean, and, and like a, a mid-range shot from any of Kyrie, uh, LaMarcus, Katie, that's a good shot. Like analytically, the ver like whatever, uh, eye test wise, it's so it's like, you know, when you can have those two things work hand in hand, uh, you know, you're doing something right. Absolutely. Now, of course, I have to chat about Patty Mills before we finish this podcast. It would not be a Brooklyn buzz uh, with Jack Manuel if that weren't the case. But Matt, 
Paddy Mills is shooting 43% from the perimeter on 7.4 shots per game. His highest volume in his career and also the highest three-point shooting he has had since the 2013-14 season where he was shooting 42.5%. Is this sustainable from the Aussie GOAT? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. I wish he'd been taking this many threes his whole career. Can I start there? Like, this is this is awesome. He's just, like, curling threes at the rim. Like, everybody, you know, came down hard on Joe for never taking enough threes. And, like, I don't think we're ever going to get there. But, like, Patty's that guy. Patty's taking them from everywhere. Sometimes he's, like, not even facing the hoop fully uh, when he's squaring up. But he's just fun. He's so good at pirouetting and setting his feet. Like, that is just something that... That guy can be like 180 degrees away from the rim and he's going to catch and be able to pull up and, and, and you know, and like, you know, hit 43% of his shots. I, I The only thing I would say in terms of sustainability, and it's not that he can't shoot like this because he is legitimately like one of the best shooters in the entire league. Um, I would worry about the load a little bit. He's playing 30.2 minutes per game. That's the highest of his career by far. Only reason I say that is you look at his stats last year, you know, it looks like he had a little bit of a down year, at least relative to some of his other seasons. And he started off last year very similarly, just on an absolute tear for the first couple months. Granted, it's a compressed schedule, but it's not like this year's schedule's been that much easier, to be fair, as one of the only guys that hasn't, you know, gotten COVID or, or dealt with injury. So um, for him... I'd be a little bit worried about how he looks at the end of the year. His last two months in San Antonio, he was on like a crazy cold streak that went all the way into the play-in game. I think he had a kind of okay game against Memphis, but it was like a real, real slump. And he just, you watch his film, he just looks like kind of worn out. So he's a smaller player. He's playing a lot of minutes. He's uh, he's 33 right now. That would be the only thing I'd be worried about right now is like the amount of workload that you're putting on his shoulders in December. We'll see. It's just you're asking a lot of him. And that dude, like his job is not easy. (laughs) He's he's trying to like fight around screens on one end and, you know, hang on switches, I guess, if, if guys are hunting him, which hasn't happened too much this year. And then offensively, it's like he's the entire hub for the offense right now. It's like we got to get Patty looser. Otherwise, we're just going to basically give either LaMarcus a pick-and-pop jumper or say, KD, help us out. Because right now we got nothing else. <laughs> Look, thankfully, he was able to put the, that slump aside and lead the Aussies to their first-ever bronze medal, first-ever medal for basketball at the Olympics. And I think that that's yeah. one thing about Patty that I love is just that he might have his slumps or whatever, but I don't think his mentality changes. Whereas with Joe at points, and I think he's gotten past this a little bit because I think a lot of it is the mentorship and leadership from from guys like Kevin Durant, the coaching staff, just to be like, just shoot it. Like, we'd rather you go one of 11 than over four. You know, it's just, you want, we want you to take those shots. And, and Patty's always done that. And I think that what we saw in, Orlando, in the Orlando game is just like, this guy is tired right now. A lot of his three-point shots are short. Whereas he's hitting all of his two-point shots. Is that, you know, I think that that was just something where it's just like, okay, I can't really hit these shots right now. I'm six foot tall. Yes, he plays a guy that is like got a, the heart of a seven-footer. But this rest might almost be a blessing in disguise for him. You know, allow him to just, you know, get the get a few massages in here and there and just get a, a few extra hours sleep. And also just... The return of Kyrie Irving could also lessen that burden, turn him back into the pure six man that I think a lot of people thought and saw him as being, including uh, yours truly. So I think that there are positive signs, uh, uh, and maybe it's just my general optimism uh, about my my fellow countrymen, but I think that the return of Kyrie, as well as this little bit of rest here for him, thankfully, like you said, he hasn't been um, struck by the COVID bug. So maybe this is sustainable in some stretch, but this would be the best shooting of his career on the greatest volume of his career. Uh, and who's to who's to say that you can't do it you know, in your mid-30s when Kevin Durant and Marcus Aldridge are doing what they're doing right now? So I reckon this is semi-sustainable as well, Matt. Yeah, and the shooting, the volume, I, the volume that he's taking these threes out, what it's like 1.1 more, like uh, I guess more per game that is a highest volume three-point shooting season. I think that really helps um, just getting them up uh, shooting your way out of, you know, maybe you come into a game, you don't feel all the way there. Uh, if you're getting 7.4 up, like that, that really helps. I mean, you know, that's, what's what great shooters do. It's what Steph's, do, Steph's shooting like a million threes per game. This year. It's absolutely shoot. 
Shooters shoot. Uh, and I, I was, we were going to chat about Joe Harris a little bit, but I don't want to waste any of your time. And I do also think that Joe Harris's possible return, you know, eases the burden, eases the openness of, of the amount of shots that Paddy Mills will have, like Kyrie Irving and the point that I made there. So there are positive things that, you know, about some of these things that we have discussed. But Matt, thank you for being a part of sustainable stats with me today. Uh, this is dope. Mate, feel free to... It seems like more of a clear-out sort of segment, but, you know, feel free to take it. It's a blue-wire thing. I haven't trademarked it yet, but we'll keep applying the blue-wire network. But in saying that, Matt, anything else you wanted to touch on, uh, shout yourself out. You've got about a million platforms, so the floor is yours, my friend. I know. I've become one of those guys that has, like, 20 bylines. I was so... I had it all in one spot at the the beginning of last year, and now I'm kind of all over the place. Oh, boy. All right. How do I uh, – I mean, I don't want to just, like, read my bio on Twitter, but uh, I guess that's what I'm going to do. You definitely go check out the Clear Out podcast on uh, on Blue Wire Podcast. You can find it wherever you listen to pods. Um, been fun. It's been a good project for me this year. Been doing it for about, I don't know, two months maybe, three months. I, I We're somewhere in that ballpark. It's, it's been a fun project for me this year. Um, you can find all my writing on, on Nets Daily. I've been doing that for as long as I feel like I can remember at this point. Um, my YouTube stuff, it's all on my YouTube channel, Matt Brooks MBA. Uh, that, that's going to be something I want to tap into a little bit more once we get out of the holidays, which is going to be, uh, I, like you, it's going to be a busy time for me. Um, and I guess the last thing I had to plug is that I just started doing stuff for basketballnews.com. A lot of really, thank you, um, a lot of really, really, like way smarter people than me on that website. So I'm just trying to keep up there. Uh, you know, there's Nikias Duncan, Jackson Frank, Mark Schindler, as well as a bunch of former players, uh, James Pony, Posey, uh, Eaton Thomas, uh, list goes on and on. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a cool site. I actually just finished my first article for them. It's a big thing on Jaron Jackson Jr. Oh, yeah. um, so I'm excited, man. It's going to be my, my general NBA content. I think people that have um, followed me for a while know I've, Wanted to take the leap into general NBA stuff eventually, and this is me inching toward that. So that'll be something I'll be doing a lot throughout the year. Um, I want to watch more general basketball. The Nets are awesome. Don't get me wrong, but um, that's going to be something I'll be doing quite a bit, uh, just studying guys, watching film, and, and you know keeping it fresh that way. So, yeah, um, definitely check out all those things, and check out the the uh, Jaron Jackson article. I'll post it on my Twitter by the time you're probably listening to this podcast. Love that shit, Matt. Make sure you're following all those platforms. Five stars for the clear out. Five stars for the Brooklyn Buzz. Subscribe, yeah, yeah. review, do all that fun stuff. If you're ever bored, Matt's got an article. Matt's got, you know, a, a YouTube video. He's got a podcast. You can spend days, you know, spend the Christmas season with, with Mr. Matthew Brooks and the Brooklyn Buzz as well. Make sure you subscribe. Five stars for us. Happy holidays, everyone. If we don't chat to you, let's hope the Nets are back soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.